We have had one of our very pregnant ladies have her baby. We have Jackson now, Jackson Swanson. Mike and Jessica had their baby and everything's doing fine. Great, great, that's good to hear. All right, so I'm sure ladies will be bringing meals and all that kind of thing. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 18 this morning. King Saul has heard the women of Israel sing songs of praise to him and to David. He's angry because David is esteemed higher than him. And the song went, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. And ascribing more heroic efforts to David than to Saul. But this brings Saul to a conclusion about David. And Saul will now judge David out of the own darkness of his heart. Saul will judge David from the way he thinks. And he says, what can David want more than being king? And Saul's not ready to concede the kingship of Israel. Now, Lori and I, we live out on a small farm, and uh, some of you have been out there. And it's our little piece of heaven. And we're surprised when people come out and visit us, and they're not as captivated by living in the country as we are. And our thinking is everybody should want a tractor. A barn. I have one. <laughs> and cows. You can't get along without cows. So I understand... Saul's particular way of thinking, but he's just dead wrong about David. And we see David's life unfold, and we see David was a man after God's own heart. He's a man that I think would have been very happy being a priest versus being a king. David was a, a very quote-unquote religious man, a believing man. Uh, and when Lori and, Lori and I bought our first farm, I was living in California, of course, with Lori, and we had a, I had a small manufacturing shop. Five or six workers worked for me, <clears throat> and we made racing plates, not horseshoes, racing plates which is nothing more than a horseshoe for racehorses. And we bought this 28 acres on the Stanislaus River. The Stanislaus River is a pure, pristine river, and uh, it was a river that the Blakeleys would have been proud of. <laughs> it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but on this 28 acres, there was five acres of walnut trees. And I can remember standing in and among those trees and sort of making a wishful type prayer. Lord, it would be great if I could be a tree farmer for a living. I was very tired of being a little shop <laughs> owner. And God answered that prayer. And within five years, I was farming 
tree farming for a living and making a decent living at it. So God answered my prayer. So when you visit our little farm in Taft, Tennessee, don't tell me that it's too remote or too removed from society. I will not understand, and I will just be like Saul, who could not understand David not wanting to replace him as king. All Saul can think of is that he's in danger of losing his position as king. After all, what more could David want? And Saul comes to this conclusion, and that is he must kill David. So Saul throws his spear at him, trying to pin David to the wall, trying to kill him. And he does this twice, not one time, but he does it twice. And David avoids him two times. And at this time, David is actually living in Saul's household. And the very presence of David each and every day, and Saul seeing that the Lord was with David causes Saul to fear David all the more. But David behaved himself wisely, wisely in the presence of the people and wisely before Saul. And Saul's behavior does not make David react the way Saul acts. David acted in an honorable, wisely manner, all the time before all the people. What a beautiful man of character David is. And the most powerful man in all of Israel, King Saul, he cannot force David to act the way he acts, and that's violently, and he can't make David be what he is. David is honorable before man and before God. And we begin to see the love of God that goes out towards David. And David is an honorable man. So let's read 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 17 through 30. And we'll continue this saga in the life of Saul and David. Then Saul said to David... Here is my older daughter, Marab. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's enemy. For Saul thought, for Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So David said to Saul, Who am I? And what is my life of my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it happened at that time that Marab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Metholeite, as a wife. Now Mishal, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly and say, Look, 
The king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now therefore become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke those words in the hearing of David, and David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law, seeing I am a poor, lightly esteemed man? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, Is this in this manner David spoke? Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry, but one hundred foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. Therefore David arose and went, he and his men, and he killed 200 men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, and he gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave Mashal his daughter as a wife. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and Mashal, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to make war, and so it was whenever they went out that, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. Saul has offered his oldest daughter, Marab, and it appears Marab is in love with another man, Adriel. They marry. David is jilted. He no longer is in line to be uh, Saul's son-in-law. So Saul offers Mashal the next daughter who apparently loves David. And so the second time we have here, Saul declares, David, you're, you shall be my son-in-law. But David is a poor shepherd boy. He has no dowry, and dowries were custom in that culture. But Saul doesn't want money from David. He wants 100 foreskins from the enemy, the Philistines. Saul's thinking, David will be killed by the Philistines. But on the contrary, David is pleased to go and fight these Philistines and he kills not 100, but he kills 200. Presents the foreskins in full number, plus 100 extra foreskins. David is delighted in the hopes of being the king's son-in-law. Therefore, Michal and David, they are married. In verse 28, Saul sees again uh, that the Lord was with David and that his daughter loves David. And this marriage and God's favor on David only intensifies Saul's deep-seated insecurities and fear of David. Saul, if he is nothing else, he is paranoid. <laughs> and he's paranoid because of David. Why is he paranoid? Because this evil spirit that we studied a few weeks back is doing his job well in feeding the insecurities of Saul. Remember, 
that God sent an evil spirit upon Saul, and this spirit would torment Saul. And the spirit of the living God has departed from Saul, and now he only has this evil spirit confronting him. Consequently, and because of this, Saul's thinking is skewed. He's not thinking properly. And no longer does Saul have faith to believe and think in a wise, godly manner. But now he thinks according to selfish ways, according to self-preservation ways, and in really pagan ways. It's important who we surround ourselves with. I enjoy being around believing Christians. I enjoy our potlucks in particular. I enjoy our home fellowships. I enjoy Wednesday evening when we all come together. And these coming togethers and these meetings, they, they meet a need in my life for good fellowship. Samuel the prophet, he's left Saul and he Samuel was David's godly advisor. The Spirit of God has also departed from Saul and is replaced by this distressing evil spirit. And Saul's son, Jonathan, he no longer can be loyal to dad because he sees his dad is not acting or thinking in a wise manner. Jonathan sees very clearly that dad is troubled. He's a troubled man. And David, the most loyal man in Saul's army, Saul's own son-in-law, Saul looks upon him as his enemy. And in verse 29 we read, Saul became David's enemy continually. Up until this time, Saul would vacillate back and forth with uh, David as a friend or David as a foe. But now Saul lives in darkness and David is an example of light. But Saul looks upon David as his constant, continual enemy. Some of our non-Christian friends find it difficult to stand with us as Christians because of our beliefs. Have you ever experienced that? We've all seen, we've all heard of how God by his spirit will reach into a life and redeem that life. And this new Christian that's been redeemed is a changed person. The new believer wants his old friends to come to Jesus and enjoy what he enjoys, and that's that newfound favor of being forgiven and being part of God's kingdom. But most of the time, that old sinful friend does not want change. He wants the friendship that he had before but that friendship will now falter because you have one person in light and you have the other person in darkness. 
for the Christian and the worldly friend, they are now of what we would say different spirits. Newsflash. Sinful people love darkness. And that's a little bit unusual for us. The Christian, however, loves walking in the light, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Turn to John 3, 19, not 16. John 3, 19, we'll read three verses, uh, 19 through 21. And Jesus, in these verses, will describe two different paths for mankind. One path, walking in light, and the other path, walking in darkness. John three nineteen through 21. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. John the Apostle, he wrote these words, and he writes of Jesus' words of condemnation. Persons who stand condemned because they reject the light, they reject Jesus. Their rejection of Jesus condemns them. Jesus doesn't condemn them. They reject Jesus and thus are condemned. And they reject Jesus for they loved darkness and their behavior is evil. Pretty straightforward. No questions there. And John continues. Everyone practicing evil not a slip up and sin once in a while, but a practicing of evil condemns you. But a lifestyle of sin, that person will hate light. They're afraid that their sinful deeds will be exposed and they will be seen for what they are. And that's sinful and condemned. On the other hand, the person who walks in the truth and seeks out the light, Jesus, his deeds, they're clearly seen. And one of the great rewards of walking in the light is the truth that surrounds our lives. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but it is a great thing to have the truth of salvation. What an honor. We're so blessed. Oftentimes, though, we can lose our friendships with the sinful because we no longer take pleasure in sin. And sin can be pleasurable. Family reunions and family get-togethers, as Christians, we can feel awkward if our family is predominantly non-Christian. Maybe you've had a family reunion like that. (laughs) We went to a wedding in Washington State last year. Lori's niece was getting married 
and there was a bunch of people gathered, and there was some out-of-state friends and family there realizing that pot is legal in Washington. And so they went off to buy some pot, marijuana. And the social gatherings usually was centered around a bar. And Lori and I experienced unbelievers and how they dance to a different tune, how there's different things in their life that they find acceptable. And in honesty, they love darkness. They enjoy sinful perversion. And we can sometimes see it real evident when we get around family or others that we associate with, but closer to home. And this is sort of tragic. I was counseling a couple not, not too long ago, and the husband was caught up into after work socializing, which involved a lot of drinking. Now, he, I questioned him about that, and he didn't think it was wrong to drink and socialize with work friends. He simply tried to hide it from his wife. And, but the credit cards showed up, and, you know, <laughs> he had been spending money drinking. I thought, how tragic. And I hope and pray this family resolves, this man resolves the issue that he's facing. But my last contact with this family did not look promising. And you had a separation there of light and darkness. And this father, this supposedly spiritual leader of the home, had an issue of darkness and light. And as far as I could see, church attendance was not important to him. And that was a real concern for me because I tried to steer him, not necessarily into our church, but into any good Christian church. Get grounded in a good Christian church. You will enjoy the, excuse me, the benefits of it. Fellowshipping with Christians, believers, was not a priority of his. And I still pray for them. And I hope he comes to, quote unquote, his senses and leads his family into a Christian church and a Christian way of life. But don't miss scripture's warning here. Those in darkness, those walking in darkness, hate hate, not sort of disdain it, but they hate the light. And as believers, what are we called to? Light. Fellowship with those who walk in the light. It's a great benefit. Attend church. Get involved. You won't regret it.
for we are not loved or appreciated by the world. In fact, they don't even understand this. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.